Thanks for listening to Most Certainly True, a podcast of Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Milwaukee. It has been said that history is really His story, the story of God showing His grace and mercy to the people He has created. That grace and mercy is on clear display in the Gospels as we see our Jesus living and dying for the sins of the world. But His story continues. The story of the early Christian church is his story as well. We are glad that you have chosen to read that story with us, as together we read chapter by chapter through the book of Acts. We'll review the stories of God's grace and mercy on his infant church, and celebrate that same grace and mercy that we know and experience today. We are glad to have you studying and growing with us. Here's the next episode of our podcast and the discussion of the next chapter of the book of Acts. Welcome back, podcast listeners. Glad to have you for another episode of Most Certainly True Podcast. I am Pastor Brian Hockman, one of the pastors here at Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Milwaukee, and I'm here with another one of the pastors, my friend, Pastor Aaron Strong. How are you today? I'm doing great. Nice to be here with you. Good to have the you. The sun is shining. It's it, warm out. It's not hot, but it's warm. It's, it's an appropriate pleasant. temperature. Exactly. Yes, that is good. Life Humid- is good. Humidity is all in appropriate levels also. <laughs> The other day it was like seventy two oh, degrees it was steamy, and for sure. like hard to breathe. Like how in the world is? Uh, yeah. But yes, today is not one of those days. No, it is. It is nice, but uh, you know that steamy weather brought us some much needed rain. My yard is very thankful for that because it was not looking very very good prior to that. So it was nice to have a little bit of rain. We missed out on the thunderstorms that were promised, though. I I look forward to a look good forward to those, a good huh? thunderstorm. Yeah. I still. <laughs> That portion we don't get thunder didn't get thunderstorms in Alaska, so there was a twelve year chunk of my life where I was without them. Yeah, I love the right before the storm when it drops ten degrees and it gets cool and the wind sure. picks up and the sky turns pink. That's yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, the other night, and I forget what night it was, but uh, my son even commented we had storms kind of coming through and and some heavy rain in the evening. It might have been uh, the Fourth of July actually that night, and. Uh, uh, he said, Dad, that just looks creepy outside. And it was just kind of, a, you know, this yellowish tint, green, mm-hmm. yellowish, greenish tint that you sometimes get when there's storms and like the sun is starting to kind of set too. So, it's just this odd look to the sky. weird colors. In, which yeah. is unique. Uh, so, yeah, those are always interesting. I enjoy those. But I'm also the one that, you know, growing up, uh, when we lived in Minnesota, we'd have these wide open plains and storms would just come rushing through or whatever. And I was always the kid that wanted to go out and see the storm. Yep. And like, I remember one time we're, uh, we're watching the, the weather report, the special, you know, r- report that there's tornadoes warnings going out and here's an area of rotation and they're <laughs> showing this on the map and it's like right above our house. I'm like, heck yeah, I want to go yeah. see this. <laughs> my mom's yelling at me, get inside. And I'm like out on the porch. I think but my dad the joined me too. Spinning, mom. Right? Like, I don't see it spinning. <laughs> I, <laughs> nothing happened. I, I don't even think it was as exciting as it, it probably could have been. But you know, that's I like seeing that stuff. So, are you a fan of the movie Twister? 
Oh, man, it's been such a long time since I've seen that. <laughs> I don't know that I would chase down tornadoes. Okay. Although, if I was a safe distance away from one, knowing it's, I'm not going to get touched, I'm like 10 miles away, and I can still see it, it might be kind of cool. Or if you had one of those 1970s pickup trucks like they have in that movie. <laughs> so right. We just actually uh, watched that with our girls. Okay. Um, so. That's yeah. a... That's got a, a little bit of age to it now, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It it it, it, tie, it dovetails with the love for storms. We told right. them about this movie, and they said, we want to watch that. And, well, that uh, just makes me think of the, your comment about a pickup. The, that recent, the spring tornado that took place was in Oklahoma, maybe, where uh, this guy was driving in a Chevy red pickup truck. And uh, he gets lifted up by this tornado, like spun around and uh, flipped over. But then it land. The truck lands back on its tires, and the guy just keeps driving. Oh, I did not <laughs> heard this story. You got to look it up. It's fascinating. And, well, you uh, probably don't stick around to see if that's going to happen. No, again, but just right? the, one that your truck <laughs> landed back upright. Two that it actually worked yet. And three that you had the, the you know the wherewithal to just like drive away. He's driving home to change his pants, but, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> well, what I think in the end of the story is is that you know some patrol, state patrol, or, or officer found this guy later on, and he was just like shell shocked, like in uh, you know in shock at that time it'd be shocking to see something right. like that and just to be in oh. overwhelmed by this and you know so i think he was just pure adrenaline like i gotta get out of here right. yeah. <laughs> after he just spun around and got flipped all over by this fighter tornado. fight or flight there's so, no fight in a tornado gee, so i guess it's flight that man. i don't want to experience like if i can see something from a safe distance away that's cool but something in the middle of no tornadoes need to be and... in the middle of it <laughs> so, I mean, it's fascinating video. the videos are always fun to watch but <laughs> <laughs> no, th- I'm not a I'm not a storm chaser in that sense by any means. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I don't know. Do we have any storms in this chapter of Acts chapter 14? Are there? All right, shoot, we should talk about storms. I don't uh, think I don't think we have chapter, any huh? any storms here. Not on this the tail end of Paul's first missionary journey. Sea storms, but Paul endures a sea storm later on. I suppose we. But there are some definitely some spiritual storms taking place oh, here. So maybe we could talk about that. Yeah, yeah. let's. There's talk about our segue. Storms. <laughs> Well done. Thank you. So we're in the the middle of Paul's first mission journey with uh, with Barnabas, his partner, and uh, chapter thirteen got us started. And now in chapter fourteen, you you almost I feel like you need a map. If you're able to pull up a biblical map, Pastor Hockman has one here, but you can't see it. For my podcast listeners, it's I've a got nice, a colorful, beautiful map. color map that I'm holding as close to the microphone as I <laughs> as I can. <laughs> the color is coming through. <laughs> Probably not. Um, but if the you blue just arrow have a, is out, the red arrow is go. back. If you could just like get a, a, a mental picture of present day Turkey in like the Sea of Mediterranean and present day Turkey, that's really where Paul is um, on this mission journey. He spends a lot of time in that. But I always find I've always been fascinated by maps um, and especially biblical maps. I think are pretty cool to have. And um, if you have a Bible with maps in it, those are helpful. Or else Google, you know, Paul's first missionary journey. You're gonna have a map that will pop up. I bet you'll have a hundred maps. That All right. Pop up. Find one and just look, get a, an idea where these cities that we are mentioning or that are mentioned in these chapters are. And it's just is a helpful, helpful tool as well. But the first city he's in is in, in chapter 14 is Iconium. Yep. So he's heading east from city in Antioch. That's um, where we left him. Or I guess just the reference that they got pushed out of the town. They shook the dust off and headed for Iconium. And that's where the chapter break is. So... We meet them there in Iconium as chapter 14 begins, and they do what we um, have mentioned in previous podcasts is their pattern. They're going to go to the synagogue and and proclaim Jesus as the fulfillment of Old Testament scriptures, and 
um, share that message with the people that the Jewish believers that are meeting in the synagogues. And that becomes then the polarizing thing. Some accept that, some don't. And then that becomes the core. Um, we joked about what was the mission board and, and how did they figure it out? Well, Paul and Barnabas are sort of establishing their own mission board here and uh, the tactic there of establishing this core group. And then they become the ones that are going to, the Christian church that's going to meet there. And whether it's in one of their homes or um, wherever they choose to worship. But then that then, then they go and, and do some friendship evangelism around in the town. Um, oftentimes this becomes a, a enough of a ordeal within the city that it, it draws people in. Um, whether it's because they want to hear the gospel message or they want to refute it or uh, they just want to stir up trouble, whatever. It, it, it's something that turns into an event within these, these little towns uh, here in Asia Minor. So in Iconium, um, we don't get a whole lot of details beyond that they spent some considerable time there. We're not told how long that time was, whether it was days, weeks, months. Um, I can't imagine it's it's longer than months, probably. Uh, but some time there. They settled in and are, are proclaiming the gospel. But like you mentioned, um, there was opposition to that. And that's ultimately what drove them out of that town of Iconium, deeper into Asia Minor, to uh, the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derby and the countryside around there where they preach the gospel. And when you get to Lystra, there we get a, an event that took place there that kind of shook things up a little bit there too. Um, in Lystra, they run across a, a man who was lame and had been born that way. And Paul, working th- with uh, God working through Paul, um, allowed him to heal that man. And he stood up and walked, and the crowd was amazed. And the first thing that, that came to their heads are these guys are God's. Paul and Barnabas are gods, and, and you have them referring to uh, Paul because he was the, the talker of the group as Hermes, the, the yeah. Greek god Hermes, and then um, Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas was referred to as Zeus, like the, must be, the, right. the powerful almighty one, right? He must be the power, and, <laughs> and Paul's the the proclaimer, yeah. Which if somebody came up to us and said, hey, Pastor Hockman, Pastor Strong, you guys are like Zeus and Hermes. Yeah, we should like, go Heck yeah. Yeah. yeah, we are. <laughs> well, follow us. <laughs> My first order of business, you should get me some pizza <laughs> since I am almighty. But Paul and Barnabas are much more sanctified than we are, <laughs> and uh, they did not accept such accolades. <laughs> um, and uh, so they, they are trying to convince the crowd, no, we are not these Greek gods that are down here on this earth. We are we are here to proclaim the message of the true God. And I think it's interesting, um, the, they appeal to kind of that natural knowledge of God in their message to the people, um, you know, the God who create the real God who created all this, not these, these, you know, Greek gods that you guys are, are following and calling us, but the real God who created everything, um, who is over all things, who is the one who sends the rain on, on both believers and unbelievers. And, and the one who is watching over the seasons as they turn and change. Um, he is the one that we represent and we're proclaiming. Yeah. Turn from these worthless things right. to the living God. Living God is the one who, who has provided you with everything that you exactly. have so far. But not everybody got on board with that, and uh, and this is one of those instances where Paul is suffering for the gospel, and he is stoned, he's dragged out, uh, left for dead. Um, uh, but he wasn't. Uh, and I man, to be stoned just sounds absolutely horrible. <laughs> I was gonna. I was wondering where you were going with that. Right. I mean. Un- to- well, <laughs> which, which side of stoning were you gonna were you gonna fall on? No, just absolutely <laughs> in favor or, or not in favor, right? And uh, right, 
I can't imagine that and to be you know beaten that way to the edge of death. Which means you're. I've always picked like what is this? Try to picture this. Are you surrounded? Are you not? It's just like a mob of people just right, chucking how, how stones at that, you, right? Right. Are you dodging stones and? <sighs> just sounds horrible. I mean, beating right. you down. Uh, but then he gets up and goes back into the city. Even like that's wild. <laughs> What's yeah. wrong with you, <laughs> Paul? That's not smart. No. I, I don't want our readers to miss this this line that there are people, the mob from the previous two towns that he was in, from Iconium and from Antioch, oh, right. that come. So it, it's not enough that, just Paul, get out of our city, quit bothering us, let us live our lives. And then when Paul does that, that's st- they're still so in, enraged and inflamed with anger about Paul and Barnabas that they actually follow them to the next town and incite, yeah. a, incite a riot there. Um, so, so this is more than just rejection. I mean, this is open and violent hostility right. to the message they're proclaiming. Yeah. And just Paul, the mob just trying to drive them out of the whole region. Yeah. Get out of here. And that Paul crazy? wipes off the blood and goes back in, into the town. Right. Just remarkable. Well, they didn't stay long because the next day they left for Derby, a neighboring town, and they preached the gospel there. Um, but then just very quickly, again, tying back into what you mentioned there, you have this crowd chasing them around from city to city. And then what do Paul and Barnabas do? But they return to Lystra and Iconia yeah. and Pisidian Antioch, where they were driven out, <laughs> where these, these mobs are coming from. They went back to those cities. Right. Won a large number of converts in Derby and then... Let's go visit these these towns again. Uh, there's a reference later on that says that they were um, going to appoint elders in those towns. So he plants these churches and leaves the town, goes on to the next thing, next place. But now they're, they're going to check up on these dear friends, these these got these people that have become me- members of God's family and therefore have become near and dear to Paul and Barnabas. Let's set up leaders, um, structure. Here's what we're going to do for, for worship and, and how this is going to work and, and props them up to be a functioning church right. in his absence. You know, it's got to be, it's kind of interesting to think about that, those return trips to those cities where he was driven out of and even beaten in stone and whatever else. But, um, you know, how encouraging for the churches there to see Paul Yeah. after they've, I'm sure, heard the reports of what had happened and know he's, he's okay yet. Um, and, and it was there to offer that support and encouragement. And then two, I wonder, was this a quiet thing? Did they kind of sneak in and out so that yeah. they wouldn't r- rile up the crowds again? Or was this kind of like a in your face, like, Hey, you drove us out the first time, but we're, you're, you're not we're getting rid here. of us. Right. Um, we're, we're standing on the gospel and we're going to continue to proclaim it no matter what you do to us. I mean, I just, I'm kind of curious as to how that all just worked out. But anyway, I think the fact they returned them was an encouragement especially for those churches. That's really a great observation you made because what did Paul and Barnabas know? This group that was so (laughs) enraged with anger that they were willing to try to kill us, how are they going to treat the people we left behind in the city? Right. They're not going to be super thrilled that there's now a Christian church sitting here in their town. And so for Paul and Barnabas to come back and, and set them up and, hey, it's okay if there's persecution because you're right and you've got God on your side and continue to, to be faithful to the gospel and God's promises are, are true for you. Um, an encouragement to them, a testimony to people in the town. These guys are willing to risk their lives for this. Right. We chased them out in their back. Like <laughs> who does that? And for who, sure. 
you wonder if the spirit used that even as a, maybe I'm, I should give this a second look. Yeah. Cause this is something that's, I'm not used to seeing. <laughs> um, they're, they're coming back for more. Um, they're risking their lives again by returning here in such a close proximity to when this went badly the last time. Right. Um, but the boldness of the spirit, the boldness that the spirit had given them because they knew the truth and they knew, um, the importance of, of gathering as many as possible to hear the gospel. So as they established those churches and, and appointed leaders in them, they, they made their way back uh, eventually to their home base in Antioch, um, where they, they met with the group that sent them out and kind of gave them the full report of this is, this is what we've been doing. And you made the comment earlier as we were kind of prepping for this, um, the, the comment in verse 27, they went and reported how he had, the Lord, God had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And and it's really cool. Like, first of all, that they're reporting that God is opening doors here for us to share the gospel, um, which is a cool enough thing by itself. But you made that, that other observation that like, they didn't come back and say, we almost died. <laughs> right. And this was really horrible. Another way that Paul Barnabas are better than you and we me. We should not ever go back there because they tried to kill us. Right. No. I would have, I would have reported every last... <laughs> time that I almost died and insisted on hazard pay right. and said, find someone else to go on well, the Well, maybe next that journey. was part of the report, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the main gist of it was God's opening doors. Right. And we're going to go is, back and share the gospel. This is successful. This is, this is a good thing. And God is blessing um, the church as a whole through your missionary zeal, through your sending us out. Um, we know they, within a year, go back. Uh, into the second missionary journey. So yeah. they are eager to continue this in a different way, in a different place. Um, they've seen the, the successes of gospel ministry and are, are eager to get back on in the saddle and, and back at it, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. You know, that report that Paul and Barnabas gave to the, the Christians in Antioch, the church there, I think was such a cool thing for them as a church to hear, you know, we sent Paul and Barnabas off and, uh, we were praying that God would lead them and the spirit would help them establish something, share the gospel in some cool ways. And so for them to come back and give this really cool report, like, Hey, the doors are being open for us. It's challenging, but there's opportunities. It must've been a cool thing. And I just think about all the, the ways that we as a church body, you know, we send out missionaries into our, our cities and towns here in, in, in America and throughout the world and how cool it is to hear stories come back as to this is what God is accomplishing through our efforts. Um, yeah, we get different, cool, different ways to do it. Like every every ascension here at Grace, we invite a world missionary um, to come in and to give a presentation. We have Professor John Bear, who is who's worked in a lot of different world missions. Um, and he came in and just shared the challenges that are out there, but the realities of the doors that are be o- being opened to share the gospel with other people. And that was amazing. Just um, stories that make you shake your head and say, "God is good." Yeah, God arranged this. Some of these stories of just happenstance connections with one of our missionaries sure. or people that stumble or, or people that are, are finding out through some online means that we're around and researching. And that's the group I want to be a part of. And they come knocking on our door. Like that's not how world mission work is <laughs> supposed to work, but God makes it. So uh, we're not supposed to have communist governments that uh, ask us to build seminaries, but that's what's happening. It's just remarkable to see the open doors that God has has uh, put before us as our little corner of Christendom 
Um, and to see what he's what he's powerfully doing around the globe is is remarkable. Yeah, and along with those open doors, just like with Paul and Barnabas on their journeys, is that there's opposition to the gospel, and you hear those real stories too. Um, but you, you get that present day, you know, Paul and Barnabas suffering where they rejoiced. And Christians are rejoicing that they're sharing the gospel yet too with people. And that's a cool thing. So whether it's our Ascension event or whether, you know, get involved with like LWMS or Lutheran Women's Mission Societies, um, we have a, a group here at Grace that um, goes to some of these presentations and hears from missionaries. Um, our, our synod puts together a Taste for Ministries, uh, Taste for Missions, excuse taste me. Mission, yeah. um, which is a really cool event uh, that they host up at the seminary every um, early summer, like June, where they invite all sorts of different missionaries from around the world who are in and get presentations and bring in food and just get to hear about and celebrate world mission work. Those are cool things. Look for those opportunities to hear about how the gospel really is at work. Cause I think sometimes we can be a little short-sighted in our, in our Christian life and not realize that the work we do with our prayers, with our, our, offerings, our financial support uh, through our church body helps share this gospel as we kind of send out Paul's and Barnabas's and, and missionaries out into the world. Yeah. And pray that God opened doors in your life. God loves the open doors uh, and he loves to answer those prayers. And I think you'll be amazed that he does. Uh, Lord Jesus, open a door of opportunity for me to proclaim your name to a loved one, to to share Jesus with someone who, who needs to hear. Um, and then God will do that. He'll open those doors and give us the privilege to proclaim a message of sins forgiven, a message that we know is most certainly true. Thanks for listening. We'd love to share more about God's love with you. Check us out at www.gracedowntown.org. There you'll find worship times, our pastor's contact info, and a lot of information about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon.